Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor when we googled the phrase why do christians blank one of the top results was why do christians eat pork now we don't know who's asking but you can bet we're going to answer it i'm mark dickey and i'm burt miller and this is the why do christians podcast So if you're listening to this, odds are good that you enjoy some nice crispy bacon, maybe an Easter ham, or maybe you've never felt the warmth of a pulled pork sandwich with barbecue sauce. Magical thing. Magical thing. Oh, man. (laughs) This episode is Why Do Christians Eat Pork? My name is Mark Dickey. I host the daily afternoon show on the Christian radio station, The Bridge. My co-host is Bert Miller. He's the lead pastor of Solid Ground Church in Lewis, Delaware. Bert, how are you today? Mark Gandalf Dickey. I'm doing <laughs> so well. So well. Good to be with you. Oh, this, it's just amazing to be here with you. And uh, <laughs> I had the greatest pulled pork sandwich in my life a couple weeks ago. Do tell. I was at some food truck. Okay. Okay. And uh, so that's that's the full story. It just had the right barbecue sauce on it. Uh It was on a bun. It was pork. It was on a bun. There was sauce. It was amazing. Was there slaw? No, I'm not a slaw guy. Okay. Okay. Slaws against the law. Wow. Okay. Wow. Strong state. Okay. Okay. That's fine. What's your favorite pork product? Well, uh, I mean, it's gonna be bacon. Yeah. I I do. I you know I I have a a hobby of smoking meats, and so I I do enjoy a good pulled pork, but no bacon all the way, all the way. What other things do you smoke on your smoker? Yeah, let's let's, let's just clarify that. <laughs> um, you know what? Honestly, like my best thing that that I've been told is quite good. Now, I I, I just you know I don't want to be a little uh, full of myself here, but okay. my smoked chicken wings are the thing of legend. Mm. Just, just 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 ask, just ask okay. around town. You're gonna find man that Burt Miller he he smokes himself a good chicken wing. Yeah, yeah. But nobody's asking why do Christians eat chicken? No, no. I mean, I'm sure someone is, but not in that Google oh. search we did. In that, I how, bet that's a Chick Fil A related question. <laughs> maybe, <Like, laughs> maybe, maybe. But I just haven't think about that since we read that. Like, how many people had to Google that question for it to come up that high? On like, that's a huge turnout for why do Christians eat pork? I wonder if that is the. I'm genuinely guessing if that's the Jewish community trying to figure out like, I don't know, like that does. I, I, yeah, but I do they do they care about what we eat that much that people will be really like researching that? I on this side of of the glass, let's say, uh-huh. if there's something that looks good yes. that I can't have, I want to know why why someone ha- is allowed to do that. Oh, okay, okay. That would be my guess as to why that's googled so okay. much. Okay. So what do you think? I, I honestly have, dude, I have no idea why that question is being asked, but I'm, I'm happy to do the research and, and answer it. Yeah. Um, I imagine that this is rooted in Jewish culture. Yeah. Or, 
or or religion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think where this comes from, right? You you've got with within what you you referenced there, the Hebrew Bible. You, you've got uh, the Torah, which is the law, uh, the law of Moses, particularly given in the Book of Leviticus. I mean, there's some stuff in Exodus and um, elsewhere, but but namely Leviticus. And and what you got there is this uh, what's called the Mosaic Covenant. Um, which is God's arrangement with uh, the people of Israel. Now, it starts in Exodus, but but a lot of the laws are, are fleshed out in Leviticus. And basically, the, the arrangement is this. God says, all right, I've saved you from Egypt, and now if you're going to be my people, here are the laws that I'm going to give you. Um, and in keeping them, um, we'll be in covenant with each other. Now, the, the intention behind it is actually pretty neat. Because the intention behind it is, hey, listen, I'm going to mark you as a people who live so differently from everybody else that as you're keeping these laws, you're going to shine to the rest of the world. Like You're going to have health. You're going to be blessed. Um, things are going to go well for you as you're keeping this, which is why um, in Deuteronomy 4, 6, what, what uh, is said is, uh, talking about the law, it says, observe, observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this, na- or this, gra- th- huh, surely this great nation is wise and an understanding people. This so another- great nation is wise, and don't call me surely. <laughs> uh, but the, but the, the, the thought behind it is, um, hey, Israel, ancient Israel, who will be in covenant with God, will be a light to the rest of the world so that when people look at them, they'll say, man, I want that God that they have. If being around that God does this, hmm. then I'm, I'm all in. And so you have all these laws that Israel are to, are to keep um, about their relationship with God. So, and, and there are different kinds of laws within all of them. Now, to, to be clear, um, there's not a verse that says, all right, these are judicial laws. These are ceremonial. Like, there's not a verse that dis- makes that distinction. These are categories that that we place on them to better understand them. I think I think common huh. sense will dictate that there are different kinds of laws. But I just want to up front say there's not a verse that says this explicitly other than you can kind of glean it from ideas that are present um, as you go forward in the Old Testament and certainly in the New. So there, you know, for instance, there's, there's what we would call moral laws, right? Moral laws would be about sin, you know, like don't, don't kill somebody, don't don't steal. Like these these would be moral laws, and they're present in the Ten Commandments. They're present elsewhere. That'd be one. But there's also listen. There's laws for kings. There's there's laws for hey for government. Here's what it's going to look like if you're going to be governed. Because remember, Israel they're not a religion uh, during this place. I mean, religion's part of it, but they're what's called a theocracy. They're a god nation. They're a nation whose god is the Lord, and and their national identity and their system of government is tied into their religion. Mm. And so you've got governmental laws in there. You've got laws for priests, okay? You've got in terms of, okay, here's how priests are going to practice different ceremonies, sacrifices, uh, worship, and all that stuff. And then you've also got, and this is the big one, you've got laws that have to do with identification. In other words, these are things that as Israel practices them, they're going to look different than the surrounding countries and peoples. And so, you know, they, they may not necessarily have to be like it's not so much a moral thing. It's not a it's not a, a sin for the rest of us to do these things, but they they describe a certain mode of relationship with God that these people were to enter into. So, for instance, um, in, in Leviticus uh, nineteen twenty eight, there's there's the law that says, "Do not cut your bodies for the dead or place tattoo marks on yourselves." I am the Lord. And we look at that, and some people, you know, they say, oh, this is why you know, it's a get a tattoo or whatever. But what's what's not necessarily present in that interpretation is the practices of the ancient world in which they live. So, for instance, um, this idea of don't cut your bodies for the dead. All right, well, this was a, this was a mourning practice. In fact, tattooing was part of that. Hmm. Like in 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 these in these cultic religions, like they they could be 
I'm thinking, for instance, of the Egyptians, right? So the Israelites, they, they come from Egypt, right? And the Egyptians, they would actually, women would tattoo various parts of their bodies to be associated with for fertility. In other words, I'll tattoo this and this will give me the blessing of the gods in this area of my life with children and what have you. Um, in the mm-hmm. same way, like the ancient Canaanites, they would slash their bodies and they would mark them with tattoos for worship of pagan gods. Hmm. And so what God is saying is like, no, I don't want you to mutilate yourself like that. Like, like your your body as I've created is good. You you that's not how you're gonna think. And you're gonna look different from the other people around you. Same way, like with this idea of um, you can talk about like them shaving, the, like not shaving their heads or clipping the sides of their beards. These have to do with the practices of the cultures around them, which leads us to the idea of <laughs> pigs and pork. Um, Leviticus uh, eleven seven says, and the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. So, in other words, this is a part of a dietary restriction, same way they couldn't eat shellfish, and there are just certain foods they were not to partake in. Now, the question becomes, okay, is this a moral law, or is this an identification law? Um, I, I would, and, and what the New Testament authors uh, will, will articulate is that that's an identification law, because if it comes back down to, listen, doing these things will make you shine to the other worlds around them, hey, listen, as much, or other nations around them, as much as I love pork, Am I going to argue that pork is good for me? Am I going to live longer if I have a, a diet full of pork? Probably <laughs> not, right? Like if I'm doing a bacon sandwich every morning, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna suffer for that. And there's always that that's you know the story of like the 102 year old woman, who, right? right. Like, that's right. exactly what I was thinking. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, and she she smokes drinks a, a Dr Pepper every Dr. day. Dr Pepper every day. Oh, we've seen the same news story, yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but generally speaking, no, that's not going to be good for you. And in the same way, listen, they can't. In the time period in which they're living, they can't prepare it uh, maybe in a way that's going to be healthy, that like the, just the nature of the meat, these things could hurt them. Hmm. And so what, the reason I'm bringing this up is when it comes down to like the, these ideas of laws, if you're kosher, and that's the, the kosher diet, like you're Jewish and you're keeping these things, it comes out of this Levitical law. The question becomes, is it, is it moral? Is there any part of this, of this dietary thing that uh, – is in some way sinning should someone break it. It's certainly it's breaking the law, but the law has to do with more than just sin. So is it a sin to eat these things? Hmm. <laughs> hey, Mark, do you like commercials? I do. Don't we all? Wouldn't it be great if we had a sponsor for this podcast? Mark, nothing would make me happier. Well, you could sponsor this podcast by contacting us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. You could be a hot dog stand, a, a cheese grater company. You could sell furniture or Wi-Fi. <laughs> Contact us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. I, I think that's it. I think we got it. Okay, so that makes sense. Now, Christians, Christianity, Jesus, Jesus was Jewish. Uh-huh. The first Christians were Jewish. Yep. Right? So... Yep. So how do we go from this belief about pork to, okay, now it's okay? Yeah. Well, so it, it's important to realize that, that not every Christian thought that it was. Okay. So here's what happens. Um, you, you have Jesus arrive in the first century, and he begins to shake up the norms of how people interacted with uh, the, the Old Testament law. And one of the things that he talks about, like people who – 
I mean, as you read through the Gospels, you find he, the group that he butts heads with the most is the Pharisees. And, one, and what the Pharisees did was they were, they were a group that um, they placed a very high emphasis on um, following the Old Testament laws to the point where they would actually invent laws to keep themselves from breaking other laws. And they would place these laws with the same mm-hmm. uh, priority and authority that the Scripture had. And Jesus had a real, real problem with that. Um, and so you find stories of him, you know, I'm thinking, for instance, um, in Mark 7, there's a point where he's being asked about, um, hey, why is it, you know, your, your disciples, uh, they practice this, they practice that, or like, like why, you know, what about this food, what about that food? And Jesus makes this statement, he says, like, basically, um, what goes into a person isn't what makes them unclean, it's what comes out of them, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, you know, like, because out of you comes lying, comes all kinds of things, Um Slander, gossip, what have you, like that's the unclean thing in you is coming out. And Mark, who writes the Gospel of Mark, he he makes this detail. And th- what this shows us is how the early church interpreted this teaching of Jesus. Okay, and so, and again, we would argue that the Bible is, is God's word. We believe that. So we believe Mark's interpretation is correct. Um, but he says this, and this is in Mark 7 19. He says, In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. And so we see Jesus making this distinction that when it comes to dietary stuff, this isn't a moral thing. This is an identification thing. And so, all right, Jesus dies, he rises from the dead, he ascends into heaven, and the church begins, right? And the first people who are reached with the gospel are all Jewish. And all of them are keeping this kosher stuff. All of them are doing their best to to keep the Jewish laws because they believe, and rightfully so, because it's true, that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, that he has come to fulfill the Old Testament Lost. He's he's like he's the fulfillment of the Tanakh. He's the fulfillment of the Hebrew Bible. All right, and so as these first Christians uh, begin with their Jewish roots, they're never asking this dietary stuff because it's irrelevant to them. Like no, it's just what we do. But then the gospel starts to go to Gentiles, and now you've got people who have never been part of this old Old Testament covenant. They've never done these dietary things, mm. and the question starts to become like, listen, what makes somebody in covenant with God? What makes somebody accepted by God, and debate arises. In fact, this is the first great controversy of the church because you've got people, some of them who were actually former Pharisees, um, who are arguing that you need to keep the Jewish law in order to be right with God through Christ. Now, just check that, by the way. That's the very first like critics of, of uh, how the church was going were Pharisees who converted to Christianity. And you have to ask, what made them convert, Right. We would say it was the resurrection of Jesus, but just check that, that like this or, this begins historically with a group of people who were up front during Jesus' earthly ministry opposed to him, and then they saw, oh, wait, wait we were wrong. He really is the Messiah. Okay. So anyway, you've got um, these Pharisees who are saying, listen, what you need to do is you need to uh, partake in the, the Jewish law in order to be made right with God. That's what this is all about. But then you have other guys like Paul and Barnabas, Paul who was a former Pharisee. And he says, no, 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 it, it, you're, you're not made right with God by eating and how you eat things and stuff like that. And so um, we, need to, we need to not burden people with unnecessary restrictions that have to do with a, a government state with God and identification stuff, because that's, mm-hmm. that's not who they are. It's not, it's not what they are. And so this, this, what ends up happening is, and this is crazy, this is about uh, 48 to 50 AD, so roughly 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, you have the first great council of the church, and it's in Jerusalem. 
And so you get all these apostles, all these elders, and they get together, and, and the question of the day is, what are we going to do with Gentiles? What What's going to happen with them? And so they're getting up, and Peter's getting up, and he's saying, listen, you know, like I was I was shocked when God saved Gentiles through my preaching, and it seemed like he didn't show any mm. distinction between them and us. And, 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 and James, who's the, the brother of Jesus, who appears to be leading the church in Jerusalem, James is like, listen— we haven't been able to keep the Old Testament law. Why are we going to burden other people with it? Like, what we should do is we should make it as we should make it as easy as possible for Gentiles to turn to God. Instead of making a thing of like keep these things and you'll be in our club, let's not hinder them from the gospel. And so, what ends up happening is that the church votes on it. They they reach a consensus, and in Acts fifteen, that's where the story comes from. In Acts 15, verses 24 through 29, they send to the Gentile churches and the Gentile Christians a letter. And this is what they say to them to do. I just want to read this to you guys. So, Acts 15, uh, verses 24 through 29, this is what, what they write. They say, We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So, we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are also, or we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. So, hey, we're, we're sending with witnesses, people that you guys know, people that are known to testify that this is the official position of Christians against, or uh, of Christians, the official, the official position of the church, okay? So, they say this. And I, I love, Mark, this is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. This is Acts 15, 28. It says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Now, I like that, that, <laughs> that, 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 that God was like, yeah, that's a good way to go. <laughs> All right. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Okay. So, what are the things that they are going to from the Old Testament law, from these identification things, what are they going to require of Gentiles? Right here they are. Four things. Just four things. Verse 29. Ooh, ooh, before you do that list. Yeah. I probably should have said this earlier. Go. But as a new Christian, it it's a, it took me an embarrassingly long time to learn what the word Gentile meant. Okay. Means not Jewish person. That's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I should have articulated that. Yeah. 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 Every time I hear the word Gentile, I go, not Jewish, not ah. Jewish. Okay. So anyone who's not Jewish is a Gentile. These are, this is the list. Yes. Yes. Which would be you and me as, as far. I mean, you're yeah, not, Jewish, right? not Jewish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you and me. Okay. So here's what it says. Verse 29. Here's the four things. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. <laughs> and that's, and, and that's, that's what they send them. Now the, the four things that they give, by the way, what they're not saying in this letter is that sin doesn't exist. All right. So, for instance, you'll notice right there they didn't mention stealing mm -hmm. or murder. Would they say that stealing or murder are sins? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, they would. In fact, if you're curious, like, what are New Testament uh, ideas of sin? Look at Galatians when it talks about the works of the flesh, or First Corinthians when uh, Paul's listing off sins. So they they absolutely believe. Um, that sin is a thing. But what they're talking specifically about now is, okay, in terms of identification laws, these are things, these four specifically, if you practice these things, your Jewish brothers and sisters will not associate with you. Hmm. Okay? So, okay, why why blood? Well, because, like, if they're consuming blood, that's actually probably a reference to Leviticus 19.26, which talks about blood being consumed in idolatry practices. 
uh, why you know food sacrificed to idols, uh, strangled things. These have to do with things that listen. If you're a good uh, kosher Jewish uh, Christian, you like you're unclean if you're around these people in the same way, like with the sexual immorality thing. If somebody's practicing this, they would be unclean by kosher standards. Now, again, would the New Testament say that that uh, practicing sexual immorality is n- that has nothing to do with sin? No, it wouldn't say that at all. It would, it would affirm that sexual immorality is a sin. But the point is, in doing these things, you make yourself unclean, and you will not be able to fellowship with other believers who are Jewish. They just will, they'll have nothing to do with you. And so that's, so back to this idea of, okay, why do Christians eat pork? It's because we're not under the identification laws that uh, Jewish people following the Old Testament Levitical stuff uh, were. Hmm. Okay. That line about strangled animals. Yeah. Um, could you read it to me again? Sure. Um, from the meat of strangled animals. So don't abstain from? Is that what the Don't eat it. Don't eat, don't eat it. it, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how the meat I eat is uh, ends up on my plate. Yeah, well, you know, it's like, interesting that you say that. Um in in First Corinthians, and you're gonna have to forgive me. I, I'm gonna I could Google it. That's just off the top of my head. I, I didn't write it down. Um, there's a section where Paul is uh, talking about this kind of this issue where like they're going, well, listen, what what if I accidentally eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol, right? Because I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, it, like it's it's literally just been here. And Paul's whole thing is he goes, listen, I'm convinced that there's there's nothing sinful in food, okay? Uh. Because he goes, that's not the issue. And and so what was happening in, in Corinth, and this is, this is weird for us because we don't have a frame of reference. Like life for us does not work this way. But for them, you figure they go in the marketplace and, and they're living in ancient Corinth. Okay, some of the meat that they might have used in temple uh, sacrifices to, to pagan gods, okay, that leftover meat they might sell in the butcher's market. Okay, mm-hmm. so what if, what if I eat this meat and it was sacrificed to a god? Am I unclean if I do that? And Paul's like, don't worry about it. That's, that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and sometimes people they, they think there's this contradiction between First uh, Corinthians and Acts right here, but there's not. It's, it's all about the heart of like why this thing is being said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, back to this this idea of, um, you know, well, what if I accidentally, you know, my 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 butcher or I mean, I don't, giant or whoever, like brought in a duck that was strangled? I don't I don't think anybody does that. But like, <laughs> like, am, am I sinning by doing that? No, that's not the point behind it. The point behind it is is unity between Gentile and Jewish Christians. That that's why those. Huh. Um, those identification laws are specifically spelled out. Neat. Okay. Yeah. In fact, Paul says, I mean, really just bluntly, like when he's articulating the theology of the early church, this is this is in Romans 14, 14, where he says, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, and listen to this, Mark, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, for that, for that person, it's unclean. So in other words, um, hey, I'm just fully convinced in Christ that there's no such thing as a food that it's sinful to eat in itself. But if you're convicted about eating that food, then it's a sin. Okay. That's sort of uh, <laughs> to keep it in the food uh, metaphors. I'm just like, go on. It's like an a la carte. Christianity. Oh. <laughs> like if I'm convicted by it, then I should just, is that does that kind of fall into the uh, don't do anything that would cause your brother to sin? Yeah, I mean it, it can um, because again that that's probably you know it's interesting. We I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Sometimes we get persnickety with religion, and we like to invent things that make us better at religion, right? And so like sure, if I you know I'll, I'll practice this or practice that, and and most of us will never look at anybody else with disdain with them. It's just man, here's this thing that I'll do. Uh, that'll make God happy. Like, so for instance, um, you know, years ago, 
years ago, I I uh, I was pastoring a woman who was in our church who believed that uh, she was to keep the Old Testament law. Um, she had not grown up doing that, um, but this is that I I should do that. I should do that, I should do that. Um, and now let's let's be really, really clear. There are entire books of the Bible that tell you not to do that. Like I'm thinking like Galatians. Like the Galatian church buys into this. Like they buy in this lie. Unless we keep the law, God's going to be mad at us. And Paul has to write this book on. Hey, it's not about the law. It's about it's about the grace and mercy of Christ through the Spirit. It's about grace through faith. Okay. But she had this this belief. Okay. Like unless I do this, God won't accept me. And I remember having this moment where I was talking with her, and I and I just said, okay, like I'm, I'm laying out for places like like Colossians. Like, here's this great verse. This is Colossians two sixteen. She's believing. Listen, you know, if I if I do anything on the Sabbath, I'm sinning. If I'm eating pork, I'm sinning. If I'm doing, and I, and, and I read to her. This is this is Bible. This is Colossians two sixteen, where Paul says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a Newman celebration, or a Sabbath day. Mm. Literally, the passage is saying, none of these things are what make you right with God. Don't let anybody tell you that they are. Mm. And I saw it connect with her for just a moment, and then she just stopped. And she said, but then how will I make God happy? And I realized the heart was really, she wanted God to be happy. But I told her what I would say to, to you as well. God is already as happy as he can possibly be through Christ. Like, Jesus has given us his standing with the Father through his shed blood. You can't one-up that. And it's not that how you live doesn't matter, but there's not going to be anyone making you more right with God. Sometimes we really, like, we think, okay, if I do these things, then I'll be more right with him. And it just, it doesn't work that way. Now, back to the idea of, okay, what if I'm convicted to to eat this or not eat that? Um, I, I think it comes down to, um, if you're convicted, for instance, to not eat meat, like the scripture is abundantly clear um, that that if, like, for instance, if you feel convicted, okay, I'm going to only do vegetables. Like, there's just something about that; it's in my heart. Okay, if you were then to eat meat, that's a bad thing. Like, go with the conviction that, that's on your heart with these things. But what you don't do is you don't impose things that aren't in the scripture on other people. And this mm. is this is explicit. This is in Romans uh, 14, 1 through 4, where Paul says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. And what he's talking about is people who believe, listen, no, I've got to keep this, i got to keep that. And Paul's like, you welcome into, into fellowship. And if they want to debate on this, don't, don't even get a second thought. Don't get into the ins and outs of that. Now, that's weird. We would think that what he would say is, okay, listen, rebuke the one whose faith is weak, right? Like, correct, oh, don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, but no, he's like, no, just bring them in. Love them. Verse two, he says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak. So he clarifies, this is the weaker faith. Another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the other who does. For God has accepted them. And verse four, I love this. He says, who are you to judge someone someone else's servant? To their own master servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. And so I I think the big thing that when we talk to dietary stuff and about dietary stuff, the big thing that we want to make sure that we're doing, that we see precedent from Acts 15 from these passages in the Testament that we've been reading is let's make sure that we are heaping grace upon grace upon grace on our brothers and sisters and above all striving for the bond of unity. Because Mm -hmm. this isn't a thing of sin or not. This is a thing of personal conviction, and there's a big difference there. Mm -hmm. I... I can't help but draw the correlation of, you know, maybe it's the 
the kind of TV that you watch. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, my wife and I, we, we've got a set of rules that help us to just either stay of, of right mind. We don't watch overly violent stuff, sure, but, or like, we don't like scary stuff sure. because that's just, I don't like the way I feel after that. Yeah. And it's yeah. okay. It's okay. If y- you love that and you love that thrill, mm-hmm. as yeah. long as it's not leading you into like an actual sin. Sure. Well, that's, that's the thing too. I think there are certain types of entertainment and media that can only produce a lack of fruit in terms of just by nature of what they are. Hmm. Um, but, you know, can I, can I give you an example from my own immaturity? Is that okay? Sure. So um, when, when I, you know, I can't speak to everybody else's life. I, when I was in my 20s, one of my things that I wanted to do, I was trying to develop identity. I was trying to make a mark on the world and find my significance through whatever, like developing a new thought, being smart, being this, being that. And I came across a passage, I don't remember exactly where it was, but it was in the Psalms where it talks about how the Lord's soul detests him who loves violence. Um, now, this is almost certainly talking about somebody who's violent towards other people. But I really, really wanted to be significant. And I believe that I wasn't. Like, to my core, I believe that, listen, okay, unless I do something radical, like I got to show God that I love him, I got to show him this, I got to show him that. And so I began, to, I'm not even kidding you, man, I preached this in places. Listen, okay, it is a sin to watch anything that's got violence in it. Now, bear in mind, the Bible has violence in it, okay? But, I mean, I was rallying this, okay? Like, you know, it's a sin to watch this, it's a sin to watch that. I, I went, I, 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 a friend of mine video recorded me doing this. I literally, I had a day where it culminated in, I, get, I got a barbecue. And I took all my VHS tapes, because that's how old this, this was, and... Oh. And comic books and books, and I just lit them on fire. And this no compromise. Um, and let's just acknowledge that wasn't Bible. Hmm. That was I wanted to be significant. I wanted to show um, God this exact thing of like above and beyond. Let me be above and beyond. Let me uh, live in this certain way. And it, it, the 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 term is legalism. Hmm. Basically, I'm, I'm inventing a law. To be made right with God, and, to sh- and 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 that's just that's just not New Testament. We're made right with God through Christ, and it helps you, but it's not something God told everyone to do. Yeah, and and I would and I would judge other people for for doing it. Um, now I, I've I've since come out of that, but I, I I've been there, mm-hmm. I've been there, and and the key thing to realize, and I think something for all of us, we just really gotta hone in. If the Bible doesn't talk about it, or, and if there's not clear biblical theology behind it. Let's be really careful in being prescriptive mm. um, because God's word is good enough. Now, there are certain things about worldview that I think we can glean from the scriptures clearly, um, but let's just understand that you know there, there are groups that believe all kinds of things, and, and I'm not saying that they're wrong for practicing them, but they might be wrong for imposing them. Mm. That's good. Do you have any other thoughts about pork while we're on the topic? I think it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, beyond that, no, not really. Well, that's really fascinating, and uh, it you know it kind of started as a joke, like oh, this that's a funny topic. But really, I mean, if that many people are asking the question, yeah, yeah. we're happy to answer. And yeah. you can ask questions on this podcast too. Just email them to podcast at wearethebridge.org. And uh, we would love to hear your questions, see your questions, and uh, we'd love to make an episode all about them. Yeah, dude, you know, I don't know, I can't speak uh, for you, but 
I think I enjoy those questions. Actually, they're a little bit off the wall and weird. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like those questions to, to research and look at. Or specific. Yeah. Or what's the situation that uh-huh. I'm in. And so we'd love to hear from you. Write in podcast at wearethebridge.org. We'll have the link to that in the show notes. And thanks so much, Bert, for just helping me understand kosher laws and <laughs> all. I'd have never thought it was that simple, but also that complicated. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure, man. Yeah. Join us next week for why do Christians eat chicken? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Thanks for listening.